Welcome back, everyone. The Thrill Me podcast is uh, doing some tourist stuff today. We've hit the rock, Alcatraz, and taking a line from the movie, what kind of fucked up tour is this? Mm. I actually <laughs> think we're more likely to have been locked up, mate. <laughs> you think? Yeah, so, they, so we don't release another podcast. <laughs> I was just about to say, do people actually come back after they listen to us? That's, that's, a, that's an honest Well, th- those statistics are debatable at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> Gibbo, how are you, mate? Super duper, mate. It's Sunday and I'm drinking a beer. What could be better? Well, yeah, what could be better? Oh, and I'm uh, talking happy... to you blokes, obviously. Yeah. No, yeah, well, take that's that bit you... out. You're probably happier. Oh, that's why you're drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got to dull the senses. <laughs> All right, so we're back on deck. The Rock, Gibbo's pick. Let's quickly whip through what we've been watching recently. Uh, Jared? Yeah, I had a, a small crop again. Standard DC roundup, the four shows there, continuing to uh, stay on top of them. In terms of movies, I actually watched another DC one, the uh, the latest DC animated one, Batman Bad Blood. Not bad. Those uh, those things always entertain me. Um, they've sort of settled into this thing now where they're releasing these ones consistently from like a sort of new continuity, like a new continuing storyline. And then they'll release a couple of others of like, you know, classic comics and that sort of thing. So this was one of the continuing stories. Wasn't bad. One wasn't one of the best ones I've seen, but I always enjoy those. So I watched Beasts of No Nation on Netflix. Yep. The one with uh, Idris Elba um, about the little kid that gets um, taken into. He uh, becomes a child soldier. It's pretty full on. It's it's lengthy. I think it's uh, clocks in a little bit over two hours. Um, I think it's pushing like two fifteen, two twenty, something like that. Um, but Elba is fantastic. Um, the story is, it's kind of interesting. It's very, uh, very heavy, some of the themes. Um, and it's interesting in the fact that you never really leave the kid, the, the, the kid whose sort of story it is, you never really leave his side. I reckon out of the scenes in the movie, I think he's in about 95% of them. He's, he's barely ever off camera, um, which is not something so that you like always see. It's like a point of view thing almost. Yeah, almost. He's like, I, I really could only remember, I think it was two scenes that he wasn't in. And even then, he was sort of present for them. Um, so it was, yeah, it was really interesting. Definitely worth a look. Pretty harrowing in some aspects, but um, yeah, it, it was quite good. Um, and I went back and watched Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Which, Classic. <clears throat> well, it's the last time I watched it, I was kind of like, you know, a bit here and there. I, had, I don't think I'd actually watched it since the whole thing about the, the homoerotic overtones has sort of come out. Mm. And to be quite honest, watching it with that in mind makes it highly entertaining for fifty odd minutes. <laughs> um, and then when it's the, when it gets into Freddy, because Freddy's not actually in it for very long. When it gets into Freddy and him coming out into the real world and stuff, it sort of falls apart. And it's got some really weird kind of aspects to it, and I can see why it was sort of why it was sort of looked upon as a little bit separate to the rest of them yeah. because it doesn't sort of follow the same rules in regards to Freddy. Um, but honestly, I really enjoyed <laughs> watching it this time around. What, what's these undertones? I, I haven't heard anything about that. What's what's the story with that? Well, in the documentary, the documentary Never Sleep Again, uh, which covers the mm. entire Elm Street saga, they talk about how there's um, basically homosexual overtones to the whole story mm. and whether it's or not of, it was... Deliberately put in there, or whether it was just by accident. Yeah, and it's it sort of in just number two though, or the whole series. 
No, just, just number, number two. two. And number two is where, like, okay. um, Freddy is actually trying to come out of the guy's body. So you've got the whole sort of right. coming out kind of angle. You've got things like lines like this bloke talking about there's a there's a man that's trying to take me and all this sort of stuff. And it, it actually, watching it, it actually really does lend itself well to it actually just being a story about a kid who's gay and he's not sure how to come out. Mm. And it actually is really interesting to watch from that angle. And you've got things like um, some people state that it was unintentional, but the lead actor who ended up being gay and coming out after that was fairly sort of um, adamant that it was always there. And then the writer has changed his tune along the way, said, oh, yeah, yeah I meant to put it there. The director is completely, I had no <laughs> idea. The set designer who says, I knew all along, and so I started putting these things in. And then you notice things in the background like, um, there's a board game in the guy's cupboard that said they're called Probe, and um, a sign on his door that says "No girls allowed" and all this sort of stuff. So it's actually from that angle, it actually really is interesting to watch for yeah. quite a bit. And then Freddie comes out, and it sort of that falls into the background a little. But um, yeah, watching it with that lens on, it actually is really entertaining. So yeah, I think was, I might have to go back problem. and check it out again because yeah. I haven't looked at it since seeing the documentary and hearing all that stuff. Yep. So it should be an interesting. Viewing, hmm. Gibbo, what did you take your put your eyes on this week? Uh, I went and caught um, Deadpool because the cinema was a bit less busy this time, so I didn't have to watch Revenant by myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I caught De- uh, the Deadpool. The joys of Golden um, Cinema. Oh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't blown away. Um, I thought it was I thought it was good, but I think I might have suffered from just hearing everyone going off Hype. about it, saying how amazing it was, and I yeah. think I went in with high expectations, and and it just sort of. It didn't miss the mark. Like it was, it's good. I like it. And I think it's perfect for Reynolds, obviously. But it just, yeah, I, I wasn't just like, holy shit. Like it wasn't like the first Avengers for me when I when I first watched it. You know, like yeah, it's passable and it, it did the job it needed to do. And obviously, there's going to be a sequel with a bigger budget that maybe they could do more shit with it. But um, yeah, yeah. Like I'd I was in the same boat, eight, mate. Seven or eight, maybe something like that. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it was sort of. Yeah, there was a couple of dead spots in there and a, and a couple of flat spots with the humour and stuff that people sort of seem to never have mentioned when they talk about it. So I was, I think I was kind of in the same boat as you. I really enjoyed the hell out of it, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's a classic. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that was good. Like I got it out of, out of the way. Like I've been looking forward to it for a long time, as I'm guessing a lot of people were. Um, so that was one of them. Uh, I had a couple of mates um, come over. Um, well, actually, one of my mates and his partner, but they were supposed to fly to Fiji, um, and it ended up being the day after the cyclone. So they ended up getting bumped Ooh. back from Sydney and stayed with us. So that was Luke, Jared, who you know, obviously. But um, yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, they were talking about liking horror movies and whatever else, and I've still got Jared's uh, Blu-ray copy of The Babadook. So um, we rewatched that. Oh, well, they hadn't seen it, but I obviously watched it for the second time because I think I've talked to you guys about it. Mm. Um, and they were big fans. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan. Of it. I think it's awesome, awesome movie. Um, yeah, it's another so one second time around, like, the hidden still message thing it? going. What's yeah, that? yeah. So you still enjoyed it second time around? Oh yeah, yeah. No, just as good, mate. Um, yeah, and I was looking for a, a sort of trying to look for things in the background as well, just trying to see little different things that were happening. You know, on a second viewing, you can catch more stuff. So, but yeah, Luke and Luke and Sam really liked it. So. They'll they'll be fans, and I, I sort of try to explain to them it's a bit different. It's not like a blood and gore style sort of thing, but um, yeah, they were they were huge fans of it. And then uh, the only thing I caught this week, I watched the whole series of F is for Family, which is a Netflix sort of adults only animated uh, show. It's got like King of the Hill sort of vibe to it. I'm trying to think who the main guy is in it. Uh, he's a stand up. 
he's a stand-up comedian. I'm just I can't. I've gone blank on it for no reason. But um, yeah, it's I think it's only eight episodes. Um, and it's it's definitely got some f- funny bits in there. Um, but yeah, it's super adults only. Like you definitely wouldn't you know show it to your kids and say you know here's a cartoon to go watch. There's a lot of sex scenes, heaps of swearing. Yeah, oh Bill Bill Burr it is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, I'd say it's worth a look though if you if you're into that sort of stuff. Like uh, I think like a definitely more adults only like Family Guy sort of style. Right. That was that was it, pretty much it for me. Sweet, I'll have to check out the Babadook because that's one that I haven't seen. So yeah, get on. I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you Jared's up on my own one. Yeah, I've got Jared's Blu-ray, mate. So I'll give it to you. Fantastic. Yeah, I'd forgot I owned it. Did, did you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like when most people you borrow something from anyone else. No. They forgot they owned it. <laughs> no, no, just you. Just you. You're the only one that gets that treatment. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, someone else will blow up at me, but Adam won't care. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I probably have. I did my homework again. More homework. More homework. I watched Let the Right One In. Oh, yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. A little bit slow burn, too slow a couple of times. Just a couple of little spots where it was too slow. But I just liked the fact that it was a vampire type story with with almost a love story or a a coming of age. It It was a really weird... Mix, but it Some kind of worked really well, yeah. and yet they stuck with what you'd call classic vampire mythology too. Mm. That's what I liked about it as well. You know, you can't go out in the daytime. You know, drinking blood, all that type of stuff was all as per usual. No sparkling too. No sparkling, uh, and really enjoyed it. And the other thing I saw um, was Thirteen Hours, the Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, in the cinema. Not bad, not bad. Clocks in at eight. Bladder bursting two hours 25. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's basically Michael Bay's Black Hawk Down. Yeah. But does, without uh, the subtlety. How does Black John Krakinski go? Yeah, well, I, I yeah. was a bit sort of, I like him as an actor, but I can't see him in an action flick. But the, the thing about it, the one, one big problem with it was you can't tell them apart because they've all got beards. They all look <laughs> identical. When the action yeah, what's with hits, the infatuation with any like Marines or Navy SEALs and stuff now? They just all got to have beards. Is that is that, is that a thing now? Because that that was a maybe raises a lone survivor in, and all that sort of shit as well. They have Libya. That. Yeah, well, once the you know once the sort of American economy hit the poop, it raises the first thing to go from the bloody packs in the military. <laughs> well, they are expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, look, oh, now oh, that you don't just buy one razor, you got to buy a Mac Five with <laughs> with sixteen heads. <laughs> um, I would recommend it. Um, perhaps as a Blu-ray once it comes out there. Yeah, I reckon. I don't think it's was, a cinema. That's thing. where I was looking at it. Some of the action scenes are great. Like you know, and I think I'll probably talk about this when we get to the Rock. But whatever the people say about Michael Bay as a filmmaker, the guy knows how to direct action, and he always does it well. He always manages to get the the blood pumping, and that's part and parcel of action filmmaking. One of his problems more recently, and certainly with this movie, is. It's hard to keep the adrenaline pumping for when the action scene goes for 25 minutes. Mm. So sometimes it's got to be reined in. Or uh, near three. Yeah. Near three yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's worth a look, but I'd wait till it came out on Blu-ray. And that's me covered. Right. Quick roundup. Quick roundup. Let's take our first break and uh, I'll chuck on the uh, trailer for The Rock from 1996. Following is a state secret, gentlemen. Disclose it to any party and you will be subject to prosecution. (laughs) 
John Mason, British national incarcerated on Alcatraz in 1962, escaped in 63. There's no identity in the United States or Great Britain. He does not exist. Secrets have a way of coming back to haunt you. There's a hostage situation on Alcatraz. Hostage, 81 tourist. The rocks a tourist attraction. The one you train to defend you becomes your greatest threat. A battery of VX gas rockets is presently deployed to deliver a highly lethal strike on the population of the San Francisco Bay Area. And the one you abandon becomes your only hope. You go talk to him. Me? Yeah. Hiya. I'm an agent with the uh, F FBI. I'm Stanley Goodsby. But of course you are. At least he got his name right. Now, all that stands between a city and a disaster. The power of this chemical is way beyond anything you can imagine. That's where you're coming with us. Is a man who's never seen combat. You're a chemical freak. <laughs> I'm a chemical super freak, actually. And another who's been out of action for 30 years. Show us some of the blueprints. I can't. My blueprint was in my head. Fortunately, some things you'll never forget. But don't worry. It'll all come back to me. From Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, the producers of Top Gun and Crimson Tide, and Michael Bay, the director of Bad Boys. Welcome to The Rock. We got visitors. Sean Connery. I'm sure you're ready for this. Do my best. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. Listen, I'm just a biochemist. I drive a Volvo. Beige one. So what do you say you cut me some friggin' slack? Ed Harris. Fire. The Rock from 1996, directed by Michael Bay, who directed Armageddon and Pain and Gain, produced by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, the guys behind Top Gun, Crimson Tide and Bad Boys, written by David Weisberg and Douglas Cook, who put together Double Jeopardy, and Mark Rosner, who, who, covers, who handles Blue Bloods on television. It stars Sean Connery as John Mason, Nicolas Cage as Stanley Goodspeed, and Ed Harris as General Hummel. The budget was $70 million, and the box office was $335 million worldwide. A little bit of trivia on this one. Apart from the three writers that I mentioned at the top, yeah, there was uh, Jonathan Hensley. Yeah, Don Jonathan Hensley wrote the shooting script, and he, he wrote Die Hard with a Vengeance and Armageddon. And there was also uncredited screenwriting from Quentin Tarantino and Aaron Sorkin. That's why the dialogue's mm. so sharp. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Would agree. Basic synopsis on this one. A um, group of soldiers take uh, hostages in, on Alcatraz and threaten to fire missiles at San Francisco with a deadly gas on it. John Mason, or Connery, is 
brought out of prison because he knows he broke out of Alcatraz and he is put together with Stanley Goodspeed, the uh, FBI's chemical weapons expert, to try and stop the threat. Gibbo, your thoughts on this one, mate, and a score out of five. Okay. So, uh, yeah, obviously, as you guys mentioned, my pick, because it's an action movie and you guys don't like good movies, so obviously it must have been mine. Um, (laughs) This one, uh, yeah, this one was one of the ones I just sort of... I watched it probably 20 times in the space of a couple of weeks at one point and then just never watched it again. Like, it's one of those ones I haven't seen for ages, but I remembered loving it. It's one of the movies where Nicolas Cage is at his most Nicolas Cagey, uh, which which is awesome for this sort of shit. His, his speech patterns and stuff that he does in it are, are pretty funny. Um, I'd say this and this and Con Air for his action stuff are probably his peak, I'd say. Yeah. And maybe Gone in 60 Seconds, he has a bit of that too in there. But yeah, I love this movie. Sean Connery is like the hardest bastard alive in it. He's got a little bit of a Clint Eastwood thing going in this one where he's just the old guy that no one wants to mess around with, which is awesome. Um, his accent obviously works. and There's a lot of James Bond reference stuff in there too, which is cool. But I'd probably go... Uh, I'd probably give this one a four, actually. Four out of five. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Mm, very good call. Jared? Yeah, look, I was teetering sort of three and a half-ish because I... Uh, Oh, there was a couple of things I picked up on and I was just like, they're so silly. But then when you just get caught up in this, it's definitely a four because for all the things I picked up in, they they just didn't dull the enjoyment whatsoever. Yeah. It's just uh, some parts of it are just a bit silly and simple, but it's so effective. As, uh, as Gibbo said, Cage is just perfect. Like there's just enough of his weird <laughs> sort of... He's, yeah, he's yeah he's there's just enough to fit and there's so much sort of classic action movie stuff going on that he actually makes it sort of stand out as an action movie so yeah there's a lot more to talk about but I'm, I'm a 4 out of 5 mate I would totally agree but I'm going to go slightly higher I, I love this movie like absolutely love this movie and quite frankly this is a step below the, the 5 star as Die Hard Predator this is only a step below that for me it's 4.5 I just love it. I think it's great, great fun. It is really endlessly quotable. It's funny in parts. The action is fantastic. The actors, there's a massive cast. Connery, this guy's as charming as he's ever been. And Cage works. And yeah. nobody would have expected that in an action film. So a lot a lot to like about this. Like, I really, really, really enjoy it. Well, you are welcome, you blokes. Fair dinkum. Jeez, I'm a good bloke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like you, Gibbo. I hadn't seen this in a long time. You know, I, I, was, I was the guy who cranked it out many times in the early stages when it came out and then yeah. sort of let it fall by the wayside. Yeah. And watching yeah. it the other night, I was just thinking, why? I had, should I, be watching this every year. Well, I know? dusted off the DVD and I thought to myself, I don't think I've seen this in, it would be close to 10 years. Well, considering and, uh, that it's twenty years old, it hasn't it hasn't aged at all. Like, there's nothing in this that ages it. Like, even no. the, the use of the mobile phones and stuff, it, it's not so noticeable. They just look like like um, sat phones or something like that. Like, it's not really glaring. Yeah. And so this movie there's no volleyball made games. last year, you wouldn't even really notice it. And because it's all basically the whole time, it's either guys in suits or guys in army fatigues. Yeah, the, the, the fashions don't betray it in any way. Yeah, except for the odd, um, except for the odd sort of uh, half bowl cut, half comb over. Oh yeah, <laughs> a bit of that. So we diving straight into the likes. That was, that was probably a like. It hasn't dated that much. Yeah, and Gibbo uh, hit it on the head when you get those sort of, um, you know, the communications via mobile phone and that sort of thing. 
you cop it because they're in Alcatraz. You're not getting service on your Telstra 4G in yeah, Alcatraz. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. So. I don't think they have Telstra in San Francisco, mate. <laughs> um, my personal, one of the best parts of the movie for me is those first two scenes, over the, the first scene over the um, opening credits and then the scene of them breaking into the, the weapons depot. In, in five minutes, you've learned who Hummel is, what his motivations are and why, and then the, the, the soldiers are expert. You know, mm. they, they hit the place and they hit it really quickly. Yeah. You see the weaponry and then you see what it can do. And that's all done in five minutes. Yeah. yeah well, I um, initially when he started sort of talking, I was like, he's just telling us, he's just telling us all his motivations. But I copped it because they went to the, you know, uh, they went to the effort of at least putting him talking to his dead wife or something yeah. like that. It wasn't just, oh, I'm just going to blurt out all the motivations. It was kind of okay. You can cop that. There's a mm. little bit of a chat. You know, you're not going to like what I'm going to do. You can sort of, you can sort of cop it, and it also serves to make him. Uh, I'll go into you know that a little bit. That's a separate like, but it serves to make him more than just a standard black and white villain. Yeah, um, it, it gives a bit yeah. of depth to the character. Definitely, I love I love meeting the bad guy first too. Before you get like the the obligatory like hero, here's your guy doing amazing shit. Mm. You get the bad guy and you get his motivations first because there's a lot to be said for Ed Harris's character in this, where he is a bad guy but he also isn't, which makes him super interesting instead of just some evil lunatic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think meeting him first, you get a lot more you get a lot more exposure to that. It's it's a really effective start. Yeah, well, that's um, I mean, I'll I'll jump in. With the next like, that is Ed Harris. He's just, he's like the reluctant villain. And as Gibbo said, he's interesting because he's doing something that he believes, he's like fighting for a cause. It's not just like all about the money or this and that. There's a little bit of depth. He's fighting for a cause and there's, it makes him sort of unpredictable in yeah. a way. It makes him super sort of uh, formidable because they run through how qualified he is to mm. be sort of leading a, a sort of crack squad of, Soldiers, soldiers mm. but it also makes him unpredictable because you're not sure exactly how he's going to handle things. So, yeah, I think he he, he himself, the character, was a, was a really big lie. You, you even get that a little bit with his second in command, who actually, I don't know the guy's name. David actor, Morse. David Morse, yeah. I really like him. In, yeah, yeah. He's uh, even when the, when the guy gets locked in, when they drop, he drops that little um, the little ball of the uh, VX gas, and they lock him in, and he and he stands at the window and says sorry to the bloke. Yeah, yeah. like ninety nine percent of villains in movies don't bother to stick around. They're like, ah, oh, bugger that guy, let's go. Yeah, exactly. Usually even you that part really hum- it really humanizes the the even like considering they're the bad guys, it still gives you a human component and it lets you know that they're not just evil bastards. And yeah. I'm wondering now that you've dropped that, is that where someone like Aaron Sorkin came in? Yeah, with a couple of little touches like that. I just, reckon. I reckon that's a bit a, of depth. Some of the real. Cl- it's definitely a bit highbrow for Bay. Yeah, mm. like it, it. I think Aaron Sorkin comes here and just gives you a little bit of that sheen of the political plus the you know those little touches that I think you wouldn't have normally got in an action film. Yeah. Um, Tarantino brings the snappy dialogue into the into the play, yep. which works really well in this movie. I also love the introduction to Goodspeed as well. It's it's the the, the action bit where he's in the um, he's in the glass case trying to disarm that bomb. Mm. It's a really really good scene. It's suspenseful. And it showcases what he can actually do, what skills he has. Plus, it also shows he's not willing to have the atropine. He doesn't want to do that. Yeah, well, it's sort of... Uh, yeah, which obviously comes into play later on. Yeah, yeah. That, there was part of that that I didn't like, and I'll, I'll save that for later. But it's, it's sort of... Uh, 
it's where Michael Bay's sort of over the top way of dealing with things actually works for that scene because you make a fairly sort of simple scenario with scientists in a lab pretty fucking entertaining yeah. and intense and exciting. The camera's know? doing like 360s and yeah. you know, he's really ramping it up and plus the editing's got everyone yelling and like it's it's classic Bay but it seems to work really well yep. in this case. Oh, Bay, Bay and, Bay and uh, uh, Bruckheimer really love the spinning camera around the person standing up looking out into the distance. Like, yeah. How many times do you see that in the Bad Boys oh. and this and just air, pretty much everything? Even in Transformers, they roll that shit. Remember out. Bad Boys 2 where it does a 360 between two sets of people having a shootout? <laughs> it goes round and round <laughs> yeah. and round and through bullet holes and stuff. It's like, fuck, come on, <laughs> stop. I'm getting dizzy. I do. The other thing I was going to say about Hummel that I really liked was also when they get to Alcatraz and before they hit the place and lock it down, they tell those little girls, are you with your, your teachers and that? Yeah. And you need to tell them you've mm. got to go. And again, it just humanises him enough to know he's, he doesn't want to be a bad guy. He's doing it for this particular yeah, reason. Yeah, he's doing it for a cause that he feels is right. And he's trying to limit the casualties Exactly. On that front. Yeah, and there's there's sort of drip feeds of that all the way through. Like when they bust into the shower room and they've got him covered, he says, you know, he gives them multiple chances to put the weapons down, but then he's not actually the he's not actually he doesn't give the order to fire on them. Yeah. They, you know, make it a, a sort of clumsy sort of falling of a brick or something like that. But the whole time he's yelling, Cease fire, cease fire and it doesn't happen until they cleaned out this unit and you can see that he's not really happy with it. Mm. But then even after that, he goes and says, you forced our hand and sort of stands strong on his mission hmm. because he believes it's right, even though he's not comfortable with what's just happened. So it's sort of, yeah. yeah it, damn you for forcing me into this position. Yeah, it yeah, humanises him. And it, as I said, there's a little bit of unpredictability. You kind of, you don't know which way it, it's going to go. When it gets to sort of the resolution in the end, you, you're not sure where he's going to fall. Yeah. Really good cast. It's deep as hell. Great cast, yeah. It's 12 men deep. Oh, three, three, three Oscar nominees and two winners. Yeah. Fucking action movies, doing it right, mate. But not, like, even the, you know, the bit part guys, you got the, David Morse's sort of, he gets a decent role, but then the guys beyond him, you've got Tony Todd, who he's got a little bit of notoriety, mostly in the horror, horror field, but he's a solid actor, and he's really in a in a couple of minutes of the movie yeah. that he gets something to do like John McGinley John McGinley got, uh, William Forsyth oh, great cast a couple of those older guys who were in the Pentagon room were yep. seen around John yep. Spencer and all them really solid cast yeah the president was the president in Armageddon as well yeah he's he's had a good uh, career playing the president <laughs> <laughs> um, typecast perfect strangely enough for Jerry Brookhaber quite a bit mm. yep yeah he delivers a superb speech as the president now again. He delivers one here, but it's not. Oh, as there's good. so many. There's so many good speeches in that movie. We'll have to cover that oh, one yeah, at some point. For That's sure. quality too. Is it fair to say that the line "What kind of fucked up tour is this?" is possibly the best line of the movie? Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> the, the delivery of it definitely helps, <laughs> and it's sort of dropped right in the middle of one of those sort of tense. Oh, we got we got you know shots of people getting thrown in their cells. We got. All, all this action going on, and then you just get that smack bang in the middle, and you're just giggling for the rest of the rest of the scene. Like that, that strikes me as a Tarantino. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but there's so many. There's one, just Connery alone, 
The f- oh, his lines in this are the best thing the ever. The first time we meet him and everything like that, and he, he breaks the, he, he crushes the coin and uses mm. it to cut the glass. Yeah. Smashes the window. He looks in. He goes, "Womack, I should have known you, piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but it just keeps on coming. It just like it's sort of uh, uh, with his dialogue. There's just you know they drop. They made the, it's like they told him here's five lines of dialogue and then just drop something in there to give us a bit of a giggle and there's you know even when he's in the shower and he's singing we're going to San Francisco and that jumping in the car and I, I'm only borrowing your Humvee and all that sort of shit just classic. I love the one when he's when he's they're in that uh, the mine shaft bit which I got to say is a, uh, that's a dislike later on as well I don't know why that would be there but he's hanging down upside down and, and uh, Nicholas Cage just asking if he's all right and he's like I'm perfectly all right you fucking idiot. yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's awesome, was... that's awesome. I'm that... hanging upside down by my leg by with people shooting at me I'm just like, just dandy yeah, thanks I think yeah. that's the number one that's uh, the number that one. is good there's also a good one where he goes to um goes out to and gets sort of caught by Hummel and he goes. Uh, he tells him all about where you know, he was at Alcatraz and Hummel says, oh, you wouldn't know anything about leaving, you know, the government leaving men to rot and that. And he says, oh, well, you know, I think it's kind of hypocritical to kill and, you know, to um, give these guys their memories um, by killing another million. And then he just sort of goes, personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's on point the whole movie. And then, and then he hits him. Then he hits him with a gun, and Connery yeah. goes, "Thanks for making my point." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's got I some actually, absolutely uh, brilliant lines. I actually think, um, and quite just, frankly, uh, just between the three of us, there's not a good Connery impression <laughs> to be seen. I'm giving myself a seven out of ten. Bro. One of my betters for sure. I don't have a lot of good ones. Um, I think uh, Gibbo mentioned it straight off the bat, and I sort of echoed it. Cage, like. There's there's some real moments that wouldn't be out of place in uh, the remake of the the Wicker Man, but there's just enough. Like it's not too much. There's just enough of the sort of the weird sort of cage kind of eccentricities and things like that 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 just make it entertaining and sort of differentiate him a little bit from the standard sort of classic action hero. And um, him and Connery are absolutely great together. They There's are something great. Something really, yeah. really cool Lots about the pair of them together. Yeah, and it's like we know that Cage is our is our hero, but really throughout most of the piece, it, it's kind of a shared duty. Yeah, and that they do a really good job in the movie of putting them in a position where they have to rely on each other. Yeah, so it's not just um, it's got that sort of buddy element to it, but they're sort of forced into into each other's pockets, and they work really well together, and. Um, yeah, it's sort of the, the hero role is shared for a lot of it. They're both, I mean, Connery's reluctant. He's not actually sort of the hero. He's just got the skills. Cage doesn't have the skills, but he's got some of the knowledge that, that Connery needs yeah, to, you know. possibly have. Like, yeah, and he couldn't have. him desperately and then they, to do that. Yeah, they put him into the him into the corner of, okay, your daughter's in San Francisco and they're going to destroy San Francisco, and Cage is the man who can stop that. Yeah. So they sort of put him together as the hero, and, it yeah, it works really well. I'll tell you, speaking of Cage's eccentricities, for some reason I just love that bit where he's laying on the floor of the cell going, I'd take pleasure in gutting you, boy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'd take pleasure in gutting you, boy. Yeah, and he just keeps on talking. He does that, and then he has, a, he, has a, he has a bunch of lines where he just chooses a random word to shout for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's one where he yells out a-hole at the end of it, Let's and then he's got the, the one where the same where in the scenes, and he's like... You know, you got you got through you got through the cistern and you got through the boiler and you do all that. But like, how did you get out of cells? Because it might be handy right now. 
Maybe. And he yells it like it's just the weirdest word to choose to yell for no reason. And he does it through the whole movie. But for some reason, it just seems to work. I I don't know why, because he is kind of, this is not his his bag. I would have thought this stuff wouldn't have worked. I'm saying this is, I mean, there's, there's some lines in this. Where you could see if the movie didn't work quite so well, that they would be the ones on the internet as memes that that the Wicker Man gets now, yeah. you know, like little gifts about him shouting stupid things. But in this one, they just kind of work. Mm. There's just enough, you know. The action scenes, even the sex scene at the st- at the start with um with Vanessa Marcel when she's wearing the little the little puffy like uh, hair tie things and whatever and they're having sex on the roof and he gets the phone call. Yeah, yeah. It, like that's got to be ad libbed where he's talking about like. Peach persuasion, like vanilla peach persuasion. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not in any script anywhere. No. He's just talking Nicolas Cage shit at that point. And, and the phone like if I'm in that situation, I'm not talking at all. The phone oh, rings and he see. starts going, "This isn't happening." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's one, and he's, he's still one. insider at that point. <laughs> this isn't happening. He's about twenty seconds off. Joy gas. Joy gas. You can sort of see. Yeah, I can almost see like that scene going on and Tarantino behind the camera going, yeah, yeah, run with that and drop a little line about this or something. Like, it just sounds totally ridiculous. Uh, and um, just out of small piece of trivia, what was the name of the girl that was his wife or his girlfriend? Vanessa Marcel. Wasn't she married to the actress Corey or- Feldman? Was she? Get out of here. Can, have you got access to Google there, mate? <laughs> yeah, mate, we'll hang on a second. It. I'm on it. We'll it. Oh, we continue. We're out. Um, Adam, just in case you didn't know, that'll, um, we're on that'll Skype. That'll be a scrap. Oh, right. so we've using, got access to currently using the internet. <laughs> well, I'll jump in there and find out. I'm pretty sure she mar- he married her at some point back in the late 80s. Was when that, he was hot. When was he was dream a little dream. I was going to say, was that before that sort of performance on Howard Stern of What's Up With You came out <laughs> was, and was available on video? Aggressively dancing. <laughs> like Michael Jackson, if I recall. The only, the only other thing I could remember her from was on, um, she was on that show Las Vegas, Vegas yeah. with... Um, James Kahn. And, uh, the guy from Transformers, yeah. I reckon the action in this movie is Bay at his best. This is his best yeah. movie for me as far as his action is concerned. He knows when to stop. To pull back a little, he knows how long to let it run before it sort of plays its plays its um, plays out. So, I think it's his best action work to date, and some of that stuff is just fantastic. Okay, hang on, hang on. Sorry, sorry to introduce, sorry to interrupt you, mate. The, the Corey Feldman thing goes even better. So she was married to Corey Feldman from eighty nine to ninety three. Bingo. She also has a son with Brian Austin Green from nine oh two one oh. Wow, <laughs> Brian Austin Green. <laughs> She's, he's punching yes. above his weight, isn't he? Well, well, you know who he's married oh, yeah. to now, though, don't you? Well, I think he was. I don't know if he is now, is he? Yeah. Wow. It was uh, Megan Fox he's with. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're still married, though, are they? Oh, I don't know. But, uh, like, they're either way, off. I think they're, they're on. None of those things should have happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of the action scenes that you were talking about, I think uh, I, I agree. And I, I think, I like, using the example of the... Uh, where they're driving the Hummer and the Ferrari, it's sort of they save the tight sort of close-up and heavily shaking and stuff 
for inside the car, but then when they take the shots outside the car, you can see what the hell's going on. Yeah. Which is something that sort of gets lost in something like the Transformers movies. Yeah. You, you know, you can't tell yeah, what's no going on. Scenes. Yeah. Whereas this one, it was a really nice combination. It's cutting sort of quickly, but you get these shots of inside the car, of bouncing around and shaking, mm. and then you go outside the car, and you really are sort of static in a lot of them and seeing what's actually happening. And look, I do have a dislike that, yes, there was a little bit of that shaky, and it's just it's just starting to creep in in this movie. And there's also a little bit of quick, really fast cutting that kind of throws you out of the action scenes occasionally. But, I mean, to me, they're, they're minor issues mm. um, it, with respect to how the action's scenes are shot because for the most part they're very very well shot and very as you say you can tell exactly what's happening yeah that's the only issue with the with the shaky cam and 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 fast cuts is when you lose perspective you can't tell who the good guys are who the bad guys are you know who's running where that sort of stuff and you don't ever get that in this really it's 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 usually pretty cohesive and no either someone's the good guys are up high and the bad guys are down low or vice versa or they're on the outside or the inside like (laughs) it's all pretty well differentiated so yeah, or Connery's in a black Hummer and um, Cage is in a bright yellow Ferrari. Like, but they actually do the same thing when you get on the rock too. You got the soldiers, the bad guys are in camo, and Cage and Connery are in black. Yeah, so yeah, it's a little bit easier to differentiate. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I do Ferrari, think they the took... Ferrari's the only thing that does age this movie because it's clearly supposed to be this new, like, awesome car <laughs> that's just come out, and it's not a new car. That's a twenty-year-old Ferrari for sure. <laughs> the Hummers you can't really date as much, but that uh, that Ferrari. Yeah, she's a yeah. classic now. It just gets fucking destroyed too when yeah. the, the when the oh, cable when that car hits, hits it. It just it just it's bursts. Like stomping in on pieces. a coke can, it just folds up. <laughs> yeah, it's not durable. I, I always love the uh, Connery's entrance into Alcatraz through the incinerator when yeah. he rolls in. Yep. I thought that was really cool and showcased his. You know, only his issue with that one is he he memorized the sequence from the other side because he was escaping, not going in. So yeah, mm. yeah. Would, would there have been a have problem? Been reverse? Did he? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That that's a bit sketchy. Oh, I had another slight problem with that. Is that they? Um, the <laughs> although I really do like the scene, and I think the setup really is sort of simple but really effective. Of the whole Alcatraz, no one bro- broke out. Oh, hang on a minute. We've got a guy that did break out, but we kept him under wraps, mm. so he's going to break in. I really like that. But as Gibbo said, there's a few issues with getting back in. I can buy the grape underwater that's still cut because no one knew how he got out, but they seem to surface in some sort of spa setup. Yeah. <laughs> they come out in in just this one circle of water, and Ed Harris seems pretty well sort of uh, organised. I thought they might have sort of possibly come across that room or that little hole where they sort of surface. So that was a little bit of an issue, but... Uh, well, I would have thought, too, that he'd have done his research before he took the place, knowing that they'd probably try and make an entry if they could possibly could to stop him. Where are my entry points? Yeah. Again, it's a fairly minor problem, but you just got this little hint of, hang on a minute, they've locked down everything and put these little sensors the size of a golf ball and stuff like that, but there's just this one little pool of water that they're able to surface in untouched like it's that that was a bit hard to cop but yeah that's got a tunnel straight to the ocean that's that's a pretty big ingression point i don't i think they would yeah. notice that sort of shit yeah, yeah. exactly but uh and you know as gibbo said so 
small small problem when you suspension when, of disbelief yeah. will get you through those things. Yeah, you? and you're enjoying the movie so much that you kind of give it a pass on that. I think the deaths of the Navy SEALs um, just ramps up the stakes again perfectly and basically puts Connery and Cage on their own. So so everybody's sitting there thinking, we're stuffed, we're done. Yeah. This is over with. And that sort of, again, brings these two together and they sort of that friction between them really makes... This is where the movie picks up Yeah, for quite a period when those two are suddenly alone. And again, you can probably see it coming, but with the strength of something like the casting... You've got Michael Bain in there who's pretty well known to action fans and you it just gives you enough to think, Whoa, well, will they knock him over or mm. is he gonna survive? So you get um, you get past those sort yeah. of questions. The last thing for me is the twist involving the general when he makes some decisions late in the film. I actually really like that. Again it went back to where where we sort of started with him was that he had a he had a he was had a cause and he was doing this to put light on that cause, but then when push came to shove, he couldn't do what he was saying he was going to do. Yeah, and, and it was it was up in the air the whole way. Yeah, because you didn't know. As I said, you didn't know because of the work they'd done previous to that. You didn't know which side he was going to fall on, whether he was actually going to go through with it, or was he going to pull the pin? You mm. know. When you, when you think very about it, though, we're talking about genocide. Uh, we're talking about, like, basically wiping out a whole city of Americans who he's trying to get a million dollars to, I think it was finance, what, 67 of them, I think, give yeah. them a million dollars each. Um, yeah. Oh, no, it was, 80, it was 87. 87 um, families he was trying to help out. I don't think he's going to then bomb those same families. Like, when you think about it, it doesn't make sense. But uh, And you could sort of see him, you know, making the rocket splash down instead of actually blowing up a whole football field full of people yeah I mean I guess but there's just could. but there's just enough because they create just enough of this okay I served the government and the country but now I'm opposed to opposed to them to look after my little section of them hmm. and then so when it's happening you think well is he gonna do it like you said you you think there's enough doubt in your mind to to suggest that maybe he won't but there's also enough there to say, well, shit, maybe he will go through with it, you know? Like- yeah, well, there's also the peer pressure factor with the other, you know, his subordinate officers and stuff, like calling him out and saying, look, they're making fools out of us. And the, the, the black yeah. guy and the guy with the square jaw looks a bit like Beavis out of Beavis and the Butthead. <laughs> um, th- those two guys, like, if there's actually people in the military like that, there's a big problem because those two oh, guys yeah. are, they are sociopaths. Educated. Oh, well, you know they have to. Have Come on, sir. Let, let's let's so let's massacre all these people. Let's do it, man. Yeah. You know, be all we yeah. can be. Like, fuck. I mean, the hell. good thing in that was because Tony Todd, the the black guy, he he sort of comes across a little bit over the top down that stretch. But the good thing is, he says, "I'm not a soldier anymore." The day we took hostages, we became mercenaries, which yeah. is true. And these guys have like yeah. they've ruined their lives, and they're getting nothing out of it now. That's a that's a huge call. So you could see why that he was yeah he was getting the agitation going. And the peer pressure going, but I would yeah, suggest the other little yeah, prick that, was worse. The other little yeah, prick he was, was he evil. Was you really you'd tell bad. he had like the <laughs> let's kill him. <laughs> so, he did definitely. Yeah, he's a sicko. Any other likes that we haven't already covered? Yeah, I've got to go back on one. The weapon, the way that it's introduced, it's it's quick, but it works so well because they show what the weapons that are capable of. And you don't need to know much more than 
don't fucking drop the green marbles. Yeah. That's all yeah. you really need to know. And even when they elaborate on it, they don't they don't really tell you that much about what it is. They just tell you what it can do. Mm. Yeah. Um, so for the rest of the movie, anytime someone's got a green marble in their hand, you're like, oh shit, shit, don't drop that. Because <laughs> it's glass. Yeah. You're thinking, fucking hell, hang on to that thing or you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, so it seems, in that sense, it seems really impractical, but it's one of those things you overlook because it's like, yeah, yeah, you just sort of, you're in the movie and saying, yeah, yeah, that's dangerous. Don't drop it, you know? So yeah. I think yeah. that. Especially that the, the elegant well. string of pearls configuration. <laughs> yes, yes. Super volatile. Again. Not so, not so uh, practical to leave it, as you said, on a string where they're shaking around and banging against each yeah. other. <laughs> I also had Connery as a like. I know we had the cast and we talked about Connery before. but no, He's um, the peak, though. He's the best I part think, of the whole movie. Yeah, I think he works as the swami arsehole because I think he actually might be a swami <laughs> arsehole. So <laughs> it works really well. <laughs> this is... This isn't Connery's best acting performance as far as, you know, actually, you know, he won an Oscar for Untouchables. He's far better in that. But this is pure screen presence, and the guy just lathers it on perfectly for you. Yeah. This is the kind of thing... Don't forget about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He was better in that because he did not give a rat's ass. God, that was terrible. Forced him into retirement, that one. Oh. <laughs> the guy has not been seen since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, you the would think they, wrapped, you would think they cast him as the invisible man, given <laughs> what he's been doing afterwards. But, yeah, he just he gives you screen presence and, and delivers exactly what you expect from him. And it's really well pitched in this movie. Yeah. Any others at all? That's me. Uh, I'd, I'd, I have to throw in an, uh, a mention for Claire Forlani's eyes. Um, if, if there's anyone that has better looking eyes on the planet than that chick, I, I'd like to meet him. <laughs> Holy snap and duck shit. She yeah. has some good lookers on her. I've only ever seen her in this, and I think she was in uh, Meet Joe Black, Black with Brad Pitt. Yeah. I don't think I've seen her in anything else, but, mate, her eyes are stunning. Every time she's on the screen, I'm just, like, mesmerised. Give us. Take it easy. <laughs> Relax, buddy. Relax. <laughs> uh, good on her. I'm glad she had a career. Well done. <laughs> uh, a little bit, another bit, little bit of trivia, though. Apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger was up for uh, Nicolas Cage's role, which just Ooh. creates a whole other film. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine Arnie as Dr. Stanley Goodspeed? Like, <laughs> fuck off. I had enough of him as Dr. Victor Free, so that's enough. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Don't ever play another Dr. Arnold. But yeah, immediately Connery's best lines get written out and given to Arnie. Uh, oh, yeah, you can see that falling apart. All right, dislikes. I only had one mm. other. Just one? Okay, go. Yeah, one other. I, I, I talked about the shaky cam and the, the fast editing. The, the, the Pentagon situation room is just overly stuffed with people. <laughs> and there's one guy in particular, White House Chief of Staff the Sinclair. Yeah. Is How's he the Chief of Staff? He's, He's 12. Yeah, get rid of him. He's superfluous. He's just there to be told, oh, you silly bastard. General Hummel's a champion and yeah, all this yeah. sort of stuff. Well, the only reason he's there is to say, I'm 33, and Hummel to say... When you were this, you know, yeah, when you I were was this blowing age, up this. I was, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I agree. He didn't need to be There's there. There's so many characters in that situation room, though. They're just yeah. basically, 
There's about 20 guys and who yeah. have something to say. And there's a fair chunk of them that have a line instead of just sitting in the background going, hmm, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like wheel of actors. They've just gone, right, one line to you, one line to you, one line to you. Yeah, they're playing Twister. <laughs> Anyone that gets that. Left hand green. I'm up. Your line. Yeah. But that's it for me as far as dislikes go. I had a couple. My biggest one. Go, Jared. <laughs> well, it's fairly small in the uh, context of the whole movie, but I love the fact that the Naval Weapons Depot has a gigantic sign that says Naval Weapons Depot. <laughs> Where, <laughs> let's just let when was that know necessary? And not only that... It's like a bad guy with a secret hideout with a secret hideout <laughs> sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But not only that, if I... I think I saw, you know, I think I'm recalling correctly, but they had the sign, the little sort of script down the bottom that said Naval Weapons Depot. Yeah. Then a shot of the <laughs> Weapons, Naval Depot Weapons Depot with a gigantic sign above it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, that probably wouldn't be there. We know it's a Naval Weapons Depot. <laughs> We're on to it. Yeah. At least take the scroll out on yeah, the screen. Exactly. I had another one about, you know, classic Michael Bay. At this point in his career, he sort of he dodged a lot of it. I know we talked about the action sequences where it wasn't sort of so many fast cuts that you couldn't see what's going on. But there's a little bit of classic sort of bay overload in that you don't just get a sun shower, you get torrential fucking rain. <laughs> anytime there's an anytime it's, it's a raining, monsoon <laughs> in a bay film. Anytime it's raining and someone's standing out in it, uh, they are just absolutely drenched. <laughs> It's not just, uh, we're not just going to get a little bit of rain. We're going to get, you know, the most you've had in fucking five years in just one scene. There. Exactly. Kibo, did you have any more? Uh, I think you guys have pretty much covered it. Now, the, 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 the Bayisms are the, the most obvious um, thing and, and just some non-secular. I did mention earlier on the, the, the series of mine shafts underneath Architraz Island. <laughs> Is there a gold mine down there? What's with the, the, the steel carts on the rails? Is that a... Indiana Jones reference. I, I don't. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, Definitely. dude. The fact that there seems to be only one cart in the whole fucking joint, and they land on it. <laughs> that, well, there's that, and then also they, they're in those hanging carts, and and almost pissed off, and he's gone for like about a hundred meters, and the next minute the blokes are about six meters away from him, shooting down into his bucket. Yeah. There's some serious but continuity the issues. Yeah. I just don't understand why that that environment exists on Alcatraz, and I've, I'm very yeah. sceptical that it does. But how exactly? How high are you hanging when you're on a fucking rock? Supposedly, how much yeah. space have you got underneath? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like. Why that's, are they uh, there? The prisoners situation. aren't cracking rocks down there, are they? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been in Alcatraz. Maybe that's what they do. I had a, I had a couple of others. There was. Uh, Again, these were sort of fairly minor nitpicks that didn't sort of dull my enjoyment, but a couple of times I just thought, oh, that's a bit too much. One of them was that the, there was a lot of babbling exposition. There was a lot of just, I'm going to tell you exactly what is happening here. Um, the couple of examples that really sort of smacked me around the head were um, when Connery's first brought up and the two guys exit the, the uh, crowded... Yeah. Room. Yeah, that room. was. They that squeeze was really out of the door. Yeah, they squeeze out of the doorway. Saying, "Excuse me, I just need to get to the door." I got some exposition. To, yeah, uh, got some exposition to drop. And they walk out, and they start going, uh, "You know, 
Get up he doesn't here. exist. <laughs> he does exist. We locked him up for 33 years. He broke out twice. Yeah. And like, just tell us everything we need to know about Connery. And I was like, okay, I can take a little bit of that. They'd done a bit of it with Ed Harris already at the grave, and they they do it a couple of times where you can buy it. They even do it in the in the scene with the scientist. You get you get um, Nick Cage's name by him sitting in the in the room going, "This is uh, Agent Goodspeed with so and so." In the you know, there's a lot of it. There's more of it when Connery meets his daughter. And he starts, she starts saying, don't romanticise what happened. You met my mother one night and all this sort of stuff. Like, there's, there really is a lot of it if you're looking for it. But then they break it up enough with the action sequences that I sort of gave it a, I said, oh, okay, I'll let, it, I'll let it go because I'm really enjoying the rest of it. Yeah. I, I seriously didn't have an issue with her, um, her, her exposition though because her eyes looked so good. <laughs> you, you, were dr- you, were, you were mesmerized. You were, yeah, just swimming in her... <laughs> The beauty of those eyes, Gibbo. Um, the, you didn't yeah, even know this, what she said. The situation with the with the trainee scientist in that gl- in the fish tank at the start with the little doll that starts spewing out the, the gas. Um, it's sort of hard to believe that that bloke wouldn't know that there's an issue. If there's an issue, he might have to inject himself with atropine, which is like a, from what I understand, yeah. like a steroid, not a steroid, a um, adrenaline. It's like it was day sort of one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'd be aware of that. Like he'd go in there knowing if something goes wrong. Like you're dealing with chemical weapons. I'm pretty sure he would be like. At the end of it, saying, "Oh, I almost jabbed this into my heart." Like he'd be, pre- he would be trained for that, hopefully. So that start, yeah. that stuff was a bit like I get you're supposed yeah. to be that like was, shocked. That was seemed it. to be take your son to work day or something. <laughs> well, that was a little bit of a dislike too, because it was a repeat of what uh, Gibbo sort of mentioned with Top Gun and the scene with Anthony Edwards and his son, when it's kind of like, oh, you know, that he's so happy that something's going to happen to him. In this scene, it was like Nick Cage wants to avoid that needle so much that you just know it's going to come back later yeah. on. Yeah, yeah it's che- um, Chekhov's needle. Yeah, it was... It, it, it's, Whereas, uh, you know what, they could... There was probably no need for it even. It was At the end of the day, because he would, have, he would have taken the atropine anyway on the rock because he, 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 he loosened the bloody chemical weapons in front of himself. He had no choice. <laughs> if he wanted to survive, he had no choice. I did. This I did love different. after he, he finally sticks. I oh, actually dislike. Quick dislike. When he sticks that, like that's going into his liver. That needle at the end. There's <laughs> no way that's near his heart. It's well I down below it, the rib cage. I don't know where Nick I Cage thinks his heart is, but that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> He's that, got two hearts, Gibbo. At that point, Gibbo, he might have still been caught up in uh, Claire Folani's eyes, much like you. And rather than hearing, oh, understandably, he's hearing. He's hearing. He might have only seen the back of her head, though. I don't know if he saw the front. Those those eyes, mate. I don't think he would have left. He would have stayed there. Gibbo, if if it was you who had to eject the atropine in yourself after staring at Claire Fulani for five minutes, it'd be in your bloody <laughs> colon or something. Mate, I'd, mate, I'd, I'd be too be busy injecting things into Claire Fulani. Forget about the atropine. <laughs> but I, I do have to say, though, after Nick Cage injects that into what could only be described as his, maybe his stomach or his liver, uh, maybe the diaphragm if we go on that high, but um, definitely not his heart. He, he then goes into a classic Nick Cage crucifix stance on the ground. There's no way that's an accident. That's a Nick Cage with a Jesus complex right there. Yeah, true. He does. And he, uh, then, I mean, let's face it, he probably would never have had, his, had time to be able to get up and get the flares going. I mean, he's just injecting himself in his own heart. Even the I mean, flares, though. Be, yeah. He's even waving the flares in a crucifix, crucifix style. style. Yeah. <laughs> He runs out with yeah, the Yeah, on, on his knees. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had one final dislike. Again, very minor, but I had to, had to sort of have a chuckle at it. 
So we're on Alcatraz. We're on sort of, you know, the notorious, notoriously uh, enclosed Once very prison. well known for gold digging. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> they're chipping some gold down there. It's got mines. Um, it's got very little sunlight. So why does Tony Todd need aviators inside? Because... <laughs> He's rocking the aviator he pretty hard. He thought he was auditioning for Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know he's badass. Yeah. Yeah, Only yeah, hard asses right. wear sunglasses inside at night. I think he's also going... He should have just uh, also raised the hook hand from the candy man as well because I already knew that he was badass. Uh, uh, now, now, hook hand. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he's also going with the toothpick. Is he? I think he might be also going with toothpick. Ooh, I must have been blinded that's by That's super hard ass, Derek. So he is hard ass. <laughs> All he needed to do was, you know, wave a lighter under his arm and yeah, not yeah. flinch. Yeah. Mr. Joshua, do you covered. smoke? <laughs> yeah, no flinching. Yeah. Um, just, just quickly, too, uh, l- another little bit of trivia. Apparently, Jim Caviezel was the F-18 pilot at the end. Was he? <laughs> oh, wow. Early sighting of Jim Caviezel. <laughs> that's that, that's... The cast goes deeper again. Well, given that, you know, given that Cage is in a crucifix and Jesus is present, well, that's just <laughs> perfect, isn't it? No wonder he's on his knees praying. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I must admit, though, I do love that scene, too, the, the jets coming in and the way all that's edited. After he's giving himself the atropine, the jets mm. are coming in and it's, it's you know, Using it all, it's per- it's really really well well handled. All right, when we come back from the break, because the Oscars are on this weekend, and also a sm- a slight connection is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> tenuous, <laughs> tenuous link. We're going to come back, and we're going to ha- have the mullet Oscars. We're going to look at the best, what we consider the best mullets from action films, and then we're going to come up with a winner. Stay tuned. Do they bother to tell you who I am, why I'm doing this, or are they just using you like they do everybody else? All I know is you were big in Vietnam. I saw the highlights on television. And you wouldn't have any fucking idea what it means to lead some of the finest men on God's earth into battle and then see their memory betrayed by their own fucking government. I don't quite see how you cherish the memory of the dead by killing another million. And uh, this is not combat. <laughs> it's an act of lunacy, General Sir. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. Mullets. One of the great hairdos of the 80s, 90s. Is it still And today, around? mate. Everyone, yeah, you got to love a good mullet when you see one. And today? I've, I've seen plenty. There's a cult following. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a niche market. <laughs> it's definitely a niche market these days. But it had a... It had a glorious 15 to 20 year run, though. It did. It wasn't like cornrows. <laughs> so the game and went within a year. Flash in the pan. It wasn't a flash in the pan. It was not. Yeah. Now, as I say, it's party in the back, isn't it? Business in the front, party at the back. Yeah. What we've done is we've put together a list of best action mullets. We're going to go through that list, pros and cons or whatever. We're going to work out who wins the mullet Oscar. Hmm. Now, you guys all received the list. Yes. At the top of that list is one Brian Bosworth. Starting top of cold, the list is a bit of a stretch, strong. but fine. Personally, this is me. I don't rate that mullet. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is quintessential 80s mullet. He's got kind of a shave. He's got a kind of a short back and sides with small mullet at the back. It doesn't... It's not enough. It's me. like a rat's tail. It's just... <laughs> 
it's gone all the way across the back of his head. It's like <laughs> it's like the mullet with you know. Some people win a mullet with a rat's tail. He's just going fuck it. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going twenty rat's tails. Give out. Um, but not only that. Can I just point out that it's it's tipped, blonde tipped. Yeah, frosted. That it's a frosted worse. mullet. It's on ice. Exactly. Yeah, it's on ice, but it's just mm, for me. I just don't feel. I'm, I'm, looking, don't at a, I'm looking at a still picture. I've never I've never seen Stone Cold, and I know you guys have because you did a, an episode on it. But uh, I'm looking at a still of it. It's definitely a mullet, um, but I, I don't know that it, it, it's in contention for the top spot. Just for the fact that I've like, that's the only movie I know of him ever doing. Like he doesn't have the longevity that some of the other contemporaries uh, have on this list. So. Yeah. But, uh, okay. So that goes in the in the that know, goes the, off the cons. Yeah. He, no, not in the cons. He's 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 there, but nobody's real impressed except you. If it, well, if it was um, sports mullets, he'd probably have it wrapped up. Oh. But given oh, that it's, no doubt. But given that it's the Oscars Oscars of mullets, and he's only got one sort of mullet based he's actor. Got a few, <laughs> he's got a few credits, but really only the one with that on his head. <laughs> so it probably goes against him there. <laughs> okay, Dolph Lundgren. Masters of the Universe, specifically. Now, Dolph had a better career, Gibbo. You would say that. He had a longer career in the mullet world. Still not substantial enough. I though. just don't know whether it's... Th- no. it, it, I don't think it's thick enough. It's not looking at this photo. And if I recall, He-Man didn't actually have a mullet. He-Man had more of a sort of bouffant. Yeah, it was like <laughs> a bob. Didn't have the bit at the back. Yeah. It's um, a bob. So I'm actually a little bit upset at this one. <laughs> you he did. He had, you the, same, he's had the, the uh, same haircut as the, the bar character. chick from, uh, from um, Roadhouse, that, the one that <laughs> introduces herself to him at the start with the brown hair. Same hair as He-Man. If yeah. we're talking about the cartoon, obviously. It should have been that. With. Yeah. He's so unfortunately, although that... That is an absolute gem. Dolph loses points there. Dolph get not staying true to He-Man Origins. That loses your points. Anyway. I think it's fair to say that both Brian and Dolph get nominations. Of course, yeah, they would have got nominated. Yeah, these are this. You have to put in effort. They both have the perfect face for it—the chiselled jaw <laughs> that really sort of frames that mullet. <laughs> so, do Dolph we throw Roddy Piper in the same? Roddy's got to go in the same uh, the same ratio, right? Like he's in there as well. He's only been in one thing with his mullet, but it's a quality mullet. Yeah, yeah, it is a good mullet. Now, Gibbo, before we go any further, I believe you had a um, a sort of a couple of special mentions. Oh, if we're going to go with special mentions, yeah, we've got to. Go. Al Leong uh, is, is a bit part player in a bunch of action movies. He's he's generally the Asian henchman. He's actually bald at the top of his head, which <laughs> yeah, I mean, the part the business in front part he There's plays no to a new level. But it's yeah, all part the Asian the mullet, is it's, down. it's magical, it's and he's got the big Fu Manchu goatee to go with it, so. She's retired he, he's up He's definitely front, got to get an honourable mention for me. Because I think he's had the same haircut in every movie I've ever seen him in. He has, yeah. From what I recall, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> is Al still... Yeah, and Endo and Lethal Weapon and the candy bar munching lunatic in, uh, in Die Hard. I, I'm sure I've seen him in other movies, but he always he had that. In, yeah, he has he was been definitely in... Um, I think he might have been in another one of those ones that we did, Action Jackson or one of those. I think he might have been in one of them. Yeah, he's definitely been in like three that we've, we've looked over. So I think that's a fair, fair um, special mention. And as Gibbo said, he's committed to the mullet long past his body is telling him, <laughs> you can't do it anymore, pal. Yeah, his body's now, saying uh, no, but his mind's telling him yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nicholas Cage, Gibbo, 
Me and yeah. you had an in-depth discussion today. Contentious. Well, I contentious. nominated him, and, and you brought up the point that maybe, and this is this is very specific, Nicholas Cage. This is Con Air, Nicholas Cage, but it is a quality mullet. Uh, <laughs> but you brought up the point that maybe maybe Cameron Poe is rocking some extensions. Uh, it might be I not might, might not be a naturally cultivated mullet, which which would disqualify him. But I've Look, got to say, in the, in the slow motion in, mullet be... stakes, he's up there at the very, very top <laughs> in terms of slow motion mullet movement <laughs> yeah. with explosions. Also, in the diving out of windows with explosions behind yeah. him, highlighted by flames yeah. in the background. Brilliant. That's yeah, smart. you can't. Yeah, that it's between him and uh, and JCVD in uh, in Hard Target. Those two guys had the most mullet explosions in the background situations yes. for sure. And slow mo because I believe JCVD's got a fair bit of slow mo in Hard Target. Oh yeah, heaps, and and his is really well defined because he's got the oiliest mullet in movie history, so you can really see his mullet working itself in in explosions. So, okay, speaking of JCVD and Hard Target, we put him in for a nomination. I oh, think no, he's, he's right up there. Smoky. I think he's a contender. Oh, he is a smoky. Take a look at that. <laughs> even though, look, even though that's really a one picture effort, it is such a strong effort. <laughs> Yeah, it's Pat. It's Pat Riley at the front, and then God knows what at the back. It's just a oily Sasquatch sort of thing going on there. I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's Pat Riley at front and Bigfoot out back. It's outstanding. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, it is. And it is. He only rocked it once, although I believe he did a semi mullet in um, Time Cop. But this one here, it's even got like looking at the picture. It's even got the oil and the slick up front, but the back seems to be oil free. <laughs> outstanding. Outstanding, but he, he is at decent odds yep. for mine. Yeah. He's at evens. We'll put him at evens, yeah. Yeah, he's at evens. Okay, this is where we start getting into some real quality people. This is where the, the, the tight odds are at. Mel Gibson, lethal weapon. Oh, yeah. He's the uh, uh, clubhouse favourite for me. Yeah, it's pretty good. He rocked that for a three-film deal. That mullet is so good, though, that the hair at back is almost too much. It's almost coming around the sides and turning it not into a mullet, but just long hair, basically. You've got to look really closely to notice that the front is sort of... (laughs) Look, look, Gibson's is a perm. (laughs) It's It's bordering mullet. Bordering on perm, but just enough to qualify for the mullet, I think. Uh, we will put these uh, photos on Facebook just quietly. <laughs> so, uh, oh, you have to. Everyone needs to yeah, go to appreciate them. <laughs> you got to appreciate this mullet, the contenders. Yeah, uh, you've got to open up the field to more voters. <laughs> the next top-class mullet, Kurt Russell. Tango <laughs> and Cash. <laughs> He's yes, probably the, the consensus um, favourite, if I'm honest. I've, I've got to admit, he's probably the, the <laughs> one that everyone's going to go with. Yeah, I, yeah, he, he gets the sort of the... Fan, but fuck me, Dad, he's got a quality mullet. <laughs> it is pretty good. And he's like the Rowdy Roddy Piper, but in the <laughs> acting game, he had career-long dedication. <laughs> <laughs> he's had... Yeah, yeah, he was dedicated. 24-7, yeah. 15 years solid. Even when it wasn't a mullet... Even when it was sort of, it was just the long hair, like the snake pliskins and stuff, it was only a couple of sort of snips away from a mullet. That's oh, even in the Fast and Furious movie he pops up in, he's still rocking an almost mullet. Like, he's really <laughs> pushing the envelope. The fact that he's yeah. close to 70, he couldn't actually grow it out any further. You can tell he's telling the stylist, mullet, and the stylist is saying, Oh, oh no. Kurt, we have to. Yeah, the stylist saying, Oh my God, there's no way I'm doing a mullet. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fucking do a mullet. I'm Kurt Russell. Give me a mullet. <laughs> you can tell in his contract there's only a certain <laughs> amount of hair that can be cut off. <laughs> so, uh, Russell sits down in the chair and goes, so, so what should we do today? Mullet? <laughs> it's worked many times before. <laughs> let's really shake things up. <laughs> yeah, let's shake it up. Let's do a mullet. <laughs> okay, here's another smoky from mine. Swayze. Point break. Swayze, yeah. He looks like a poodle. <laughs> <laughs> well, really letting his ears breathe. I mean, in the spirit of the Oscars, that is one outstanding performance in a mullet. But again, he's rocked it a few times. Me <laughs> and Gibbo were talking before off air that the Roadhouse mullet is strictly a better mullet. It is actually a proper mullet. This has gone for the sand and surf. <laughs> <laughs> this is the mullet sand and surf. He's crossed genres <laughs> and maintained the mullet. <laughs> It's possible that that hurts you with the voters, though, I think. And his mullet did look yeah. glorious with all those roundhouse kicks. Just blowing yeah, in the breeze. Me. Just spinning gloriously. It's like, it's like a spinning top yeah. with a mullet. It's perfect. And just imagine this one. When you're out of the surf and you're under the shower, that is just... That's that's classic mule, eh? He's flicking it. His hair sort of splashing around slow motion. Uh, you know, water glistening. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, look, he's in contention. That is so like, far, I think the top three, we've just rattled them off. That is like, if if a mullet was eyes, that's clear for <laughs> Care to uh, engage in the conversation there, Gibbo, about how Jared has um, mentioned that this looks a bit like Claire Filani's eyes? Looks a bit like what? He said that... Uh, Swayze's mullet is the it's the Claire Forlani's eyes mullet. <laughs> oh, if that, yeah, oh if no, mullets no, were eyes, sorry, that's Claire Forlani. Oh, no, sorry, Claire really? Claire, Claire eyes are in their own pantheon, mate. There's no contest. <laughs> okay, okay. Chuck Norris, Delta Force. Uh, yeah, uh, can I put forward he's um, disqualified based on ginger status? Yeah, <laughs> I'm putting forward that he's. Disqualified him based on the fact that he's been bald since 1980. <laughs> <laughs> he's been covering it up with a rug. The, the Nicolas Cage rule, possibly mullet. a hairpiece. <laughs> Listen, mate, we didn't settle this last time, but I'm still on the fact. I think he's he's got a rug. Are you trying to say that Chuck Norris is wearing a mullet rug? Yep. Why would you deliberately, <laughs> rug. if you're bald, wear a rug that looks like a mullet? Maybe it's basically a cape for his head. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you should actually get the award based on the fact that he's bald, but he's still he's still um, you know trumpeting the mullet say, so much that he's wearing a wig, a mullet wig. Based on his based on his cameo in the Expendables movie that he's in, when he turns up and just shoots the shit out of everyone with a bunch of guns, there's no way that's his hair, and there's every there's every chance that that has been this, the situation for quite a long time. His body has had, a, had to put a lot of effort into putting hair on his chest for his whole lifetime, so maybe it didn't have enough energy to face, put hair on his head at the a, same time. A dirty beard to go along with it. Mm. Yeah. But... And he's also got a beard. Like, a lot, of, a lot of guys with beards are bald from memory. 
Yeah. And let's face it, the picture we have here of um, Chuck Norris, it's one of those uh, motivational posters and it says mullets. Not even Chuck Norris can pull it off. <laughs> so I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, well, that's that just realistic. Norris isn't it? gets a yeah. nomination. Well, the funny thing about that is you can pull Chuck's off. You can literally pull it off his head. So. <laughs> well played, Coxie. Yeah. Okay, I think we put him. I think we Genius. put him just on just on suspicion. We'll put him in the Nicholas Cage wing and just say maybe a head yeah, case. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Disqualified so on uh, synthetic states. <laughs> he, he's been he's been scratched. So, w- there's one last contender who gets a nomination. It's Mr. Sylvester Stallone from the Rambo franchise. Yeah, world's toughest mullet. <laughs> yeah, it's made out of steel wool. <laughs> yeah. The cast iron mullet. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, he definitely rocked it in one, two, and three, and then he brought it back for um, for Rambo in 2006 as well. He, he rocked a mullet in that one as the boatman. It was a little stringier, though. So. I think it was a bit stringier in Rambo, wasn't it? It was less it convincing. It wasn't, it wasn't as full-bodied and flowing, but it was definitely still a mullet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely scrubbed a few pots by that stage. <laughs> <laughs> and his mullet, his mullet's always had to fight against the headband, which was a, was a Rambo staple. So it, it had some yeah, work to do to still know, hold is, mullet that's status. That's like choking a mullet. <laughs> that is choking a mullet. You don't put a headband on that thing. You let it fly. That's what it's there for. Yeah, let it out. <laughs> Release it. All right. Now, I, I, I do up. think like, Sly's up there. Just just quickly, though, I think we've skipped over a lot the Lifetime Achievement Award, which has to go to Richard Dean Anderson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. MacGyver. For MacGyver and, uh, and Stargate. Um, that yeah, guy's mullet collected. is glorious. <laughs> it's a fishtail mullet. It's actually the one that's like a normal haircut on top and goes down the back and then bows out into a big like, fan at the back. Yeah, he's that's, he that's quality. Lifetime Achievement Award early in the evening. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he stuck to his guns. That was a good 15-year mullet as well. So, I mean, he's mostly TV, yeah. so I think he's also disqualified from the movie Mullet Oscars, but like, yeah. he might be, he might he be was, more of a Golden Globes is, or but Emmys. But, a um, lifetime Emmy. He gets a Lifetime Emmy and, and joins Tom Selleck's moustache in for Lifetime Achievement Awards. Yeah, they're both in the same wing. Yeah, that's 100%. correct. I, think, um, I actually think uh, Selleck might have gone a mullet too. Back in the Magnum days, so he's really doubled up. Jesus, I thought Selleck had more of the Lego Man haircut, but maybe he did have a mullet. No, I think he had a mullet. All right, we've run through the nominations. I'll just give them to you one more time. Brian Bosworth for Stayed Cold. Dolph Lundgren, Masters of the Universe. Contentious, though. Jared was upset that it's he, he's usually the actual character's Cracking a bouffant or something. Yeah, not <laughs> Felt it wasn't in the character's interests. <laughs> Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon. Absolutely brilliant, that one. Kurt Russell, Tango and Cash. Another fair classic. The Smokey. Patrick Swayze. The Poodle. <laughs> Chuck Norris was flicked, so he doesn't get, get picked. Yeah, gone. Van Damme from Hard Target. And Stallone. Rambo. So, seven nominations. And the winner is Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon. No, nice production values there, guys. Good drum roll. Loved it. As much yeah. as I wanted to go uh, for Van Damme. <laughs> Why did you want to go for Van Damme? Oh, Look just, at his mullet. I mean, 
Look at it. Yeah. You cannot run your fingers through that hair or you're coming out with more grease than you know what to do with. You can grease no, a I'm, five, five I'm right there with Coxie. Yeah, Van Damme was my second. That's a, that's the that's dirtiest the mullet you've ever at, seen in your life. That's a deep sea racing mullet. At the front, one. you're coming out with oil. At the back, you're au natural, mate. There's nothing there. <laughs> I still can't believe Russell got stung. Yeah, Russell Late got stung. Late in the day. Look at that thing. That's but the I mean, body. It's got... It's got... I, I think you both summed it up with, with Gibson. It, it makes him look twice as big. <laughs> yeah, it look does. Because it. it's up you and it's out. It's there. to the sides. It's to the back. It's just a huge head of hair. He says, yeah, he says I'm calling for backup and then just flicks his hair. <laughs> I, I think he, he actually stole Scher's hair at one point, just shaved a head and stuck it on his. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even need Murta. Actually, his partner, Murta. Whenever he says Murta, he's referring to his mullet. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I mentioned to Adzi yeah. too, though, Mel Gibson had the most most versatile mullet because in the Patriot, he actually rocked it back in a ponytail from his mullet. And it still made him look even tougher. His mullet was super versatile. So. Yeah, his mullet, he's got to win. His mullet is almost acting by itself. His mullet is a chameleon. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm happy Mel Gibson got the win in this. I think I think the uh, the right man's won on the day, and the right mullet has definitely carried the day. Yeah, look, look. I think all things considered. Looking yes. back, yeah, look, I think we had to look back. We all love the, the Gibson mullet. Kurt Whether... Russell is the Leonardo DiCaprio of the mullet. <laughs> Consistently excellent, but not good enough to, to win it on the day. Look, when we get to um, mustache Oscars, Russell's a chance on that play. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that I'm still not convinced that he's grown a moustache He hasn't just sort of twirled a couple of pieces around from behind his ears there That probably gives him a chance <laughs> I think Tom Skerritt's uh, yeah, going to be hard to beat in the moustache Oscars Oh yeah, because Skerritt has never let that thing go <laughs> He has persisted It's yet, it's yet to be even proven if he's even got a top lip I think his moustache is just hanging from his nose He hasn't got a lip yeah, he's given up roles to persist with that. And as Gibbo said, we get to confirm that he actually has a full, <laughs> full top lip there. <laughs> All right. Thank, that, that'll wrap it up for The Rock and uh, the Moulay Olympics. Um, congratulations to Mel Gibson, by the way. I'm sure he's very happy to hear that. Yeah, statue, statue's in the mail, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's somewhere hating Jews, but we'll send him in the uh, statue. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you want to contact us, perhaps you want to wade in on the mullet uh, nominations. You feel Gibson sort of walked away when he shouldn't have with the no, Oscar. No, no one's going to say that. Con- <laughs> or you've got another mullet that you think that should have made the list. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au uh, or on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia. And also like us at Podomatic, which is thrillme.podomatic.com. Jared, next episode. We haven't had a chance to discuss this, have we? <laughs> what but, are you um, doing Gibbo, let me just lay this, this on you. Is it Bigfoot? Let me just lay this on you. I put avalanche sharks out there. Yeah, I Jared know. Jared pissed and moaned and was extremely scathing. Worst movie I've seen in a I long put the time. podcast together. I put it out. Once published, I receive a text message from Jared saying, just listen to the avalanche sharks episode. We should do Shark Week. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's kind of, that's almost to make up for what we've just done. 
Uh, there's got to be a handful of shark movies that we can There are. <laughs> there's well, there's d- Deep Blue Sea, um, th- a three-headed shark attack, Sharknado, Jaws. We could go for ages. Mega Shark, Giant Octopus. Exactly. We could be doing about six weeks worth of work. Yeah, exactly. But Jared has advised me that he... And I believe if we, if you listen to the uh, Avalanche Sharks podcast, you made it quite well know that you were going to come in with Bigfoot. Oh, I am in some capacity. Yes. So Harry and the Hendersons. Yet though, at I'm the moment, smiling. at the moment, we're flying by the seat of our pants. It's on the an undecided Bigfoot, Bigfoot picture. <laughs> uh, I know there's a lot of shit out there in the Bigfoot world. There is. I'm going to try and steer clear of that. It's going to be tough. <laughs> A good Bigfoot movie is like the actual Bigfoot. Probably doesn't exist. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like hen's teeth. Rare as rocking horse shit. <laughs> so, good luck with that, you then, fucking losers. <laughs> until then, thanks again, Gibbo. Really appreciate your thoughts on The Rock as well as your mullet knowledge. <laughs> which yeah, is and bringing very a good high. movie to the podcast, unlike you two pricks. Bloody hell. <laughs> Avalanche really sharks digging. and Bigfoot. Fuck oh, me. Although it is fair to say, Gibbo, you've probably got a PhD in malletology. Oh, I do, mate. I rock, I rock a crew yeah. cat myself because it's just low maintenance and I couldn't be bothered doing my hair. But, <laughs> mate, if I could grow a mullet, I would. Have you, ever, have you ever worn a mullet? Have you ever gone a mullet? Oh, I had I had some puffy hair back in the day. Coxie could attest to this. Back in school, I, I had a bit of the blow wave happening uh, at the front, but uh, I don't know about the mullet status. I don't know if yeah. I've ever got that far down. Did any of you guys go for? Oh, you went for a rest style. You're the one. I was getting it. Yeah, I was was pretty close to a mullet. Well, he lives in Kayleen, so he should have a rat's tail, really. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason Gibbo doesn't have a mullet is because he can't get the hair long enough. That's why he goes a crew cut. If it's not a mullet, bugger it. Well, as as men go, I'm a fish. Basically, I'm about as hairy as a fish. So, (laughs) having a lot of hair is not my go. I thought that I'd be able to get to a mullet. I was hoping. No, you definitely could. I'm more of an Afro guy. It just grows upwards. <laughs> no, I can Afro see guy. you with a Bosworth for sure. Hey, mate, extensions. No one need no. no. Yeah, um, my days are gone. Uh, I tried a I mullet. I know. I tried a mullet when I was young. Now I'm lucky if I can get a crew cut. Yeah, but you I'll, can I'll, go I'll, to Chuck Norris if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where I'm pushing. You're more, you're more heading for the I'll Peter Sterling, really, but anyway. <laughs> Oh, that that was a pretty good. Yeah, Sterling could potentially have got in on that. I could do a beard and egg, I reckon. Yeah, you're a Parramatta fan. Look, yep. Thanks everyone for listening. Tune in next episode for no, Bigfoot or <laughs> choose not to. <laughs> Whatever, pick your poison on that front. Uh, but until then, take it easy, and we'll catch up with you later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.